I have to put you on to Armoire, the convenient solution to effortless, fresh, and stylish dressing. With an Armoire membership, you can curate the perfect wardrobe with high-quality, unique brands tailored specifically to your taste. Simply take a five-minute style quiz, select items from your personalized closet, then your chosen styles arrive at your doorstep in as little as two days. When it's time for a wardrobe refresh, just swap out your current pieces for new-to-you styles. I go from professional to the carpool pickup line, so I need a diverse wardrobe. With Armoire, I always have something fresh and on-trend for any occasion, without the clutter. I recently edited my wardrobe to staple pieces only because Armoire allows me to add new pieces monthly and return them just in time for me to do it all over again. And by renting, rather than constantly buying new clothes, I'm contributing to sustainability. Armoire is currently helping me through my chic era with all the high fashion and edgy options that I am loving. And the empowering aspect of supporting a women-founded and women-led business is so cool. With their personalized styling suggestions and diverse designer offerings, Armoire has helped me define and refine my personal style, even as trends evolve and my body changes. Whether it's a date night, a professional event, a formal affair, or just a trip to the grocery store, Armoire ensures that I am always dressed to impress effortlessly. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash murderish. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash murderish to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Hey, you guys, I want to tell you about a new podcast coming to you from the creators of Confronting O.J. Simpson. Confronting Columbine, hosted by survivor Amy Over, tells the story of one of America's deadliest school shootings. It took place at Amy's High School in Colorado. Twelve students and one teacher were killed, and another 21 were injured. The Columbine Massacre was a pivotal event in America. But for survivors like Amy, it was her real life. And she still lives with the memories every day. Was she really on the killer's hit list? Would the survivors ever recover from the trauma of being shot at? The sound of that gunfire. Why have the killers spawned copycats with false stories that have no basis in truth? And what happens to teenagers who witness the worst in life when they become adults? Columbine was the day America started to believe that school was no longer a safe place. Now, the kids at Columbine are sending their own children to high school, and the trauma begins again. Take the journey with Amy, her class, teachers, first responders, and others impacted by the shooting. Listen to the riveting new series Confronting Columbine, coming May 4th from Glass Podcasts and Wondery. You're about to hear a preview of Confronting Columbine. While you're listening, be sure to subscribe to Confronting Columbine on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or binge the entire series right now and ad-free when you subscribe to Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Second uh, semester freshman year. I remember meeting everyone in the cafeteria for lunch. There we were at the table. For whatever reason, when I got there that day, 
My wallet was not in my pants, but I got, you know, some money. I'm gonna get a soda. So uh, I remember Lance said, let's get out of here. He wanted to go to Clement Park. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right, let's go. Well, I remember talking Dan into it because same scenario, Dan didn't have his money for whatever reason. So out of the three of us, none of us brought our wallets. No money for lunch. No. Right, and it's yeah. like, well, let's just get the hell out of here. Yeah. So I was already worked up because I had that test following and I knew I had to get an A on it. So I was, you know, a little worked up about it, but that's in my head. And so we hit the vending machines. Dan got his, his usual uh, Milky Way out of the machine and I got a uh, cherry Pepsi, which that'll be the last time I ever bought cherry Pepsi ever. But you got Dan and Lance, they got their bags and we hit the vending machine and we're out. And that's when we came around that corner and I don't know if you remember, but they had that chain link fence right outside that door. So we go up and around, walking around that chain link fence. And instead of staying on the sidewalk, going up the steps that are poured nicely in concrete, I think Lance was the only one that really stayed on that. Dan immediately darted off into the dirt and I think I was heading into the dirt myself. So I was gonna walk up the hill with them. And that's where they were parked. Yeah. And then they were up at the top of that hill where that sidewalk goes into that, uh, that other entrance up top and we were heading up. So that's when we saw them. They had duffel bags at the feet. And I remember standing, they're standing there with, you know, all black. They got their jackets kind of halfway unbuttoned open. And then that's when I started seeing magazines coming out. And so they're loading up, but they had that look of confusion. Like they're looking at each other like, what the hell? Something's not right. While most people think of Columbine as a mass shooting, it wasn't the killer's original plan. They had made dozens of bombs with the intention of blowing up their classmates and teachers. Bombs were set to go off during the first lunch period when there were the most students in the cafeteria around 11.15 in the morning. The perpetrators planted two duffel bags with propane bombs surrounded in shrapnel. They were placed near beams that would have brought the second floor down and incinerated anyone who was there for lunch. The killers had hidden the bombs between class periods and then met up outside the school, ready to shoot down survivors who made it out. Despite months of bomb-making practice, the bombs failed. The guns only came out when they realized the bombs didn't work. They were going to blow up the commons and those bombs were supposed to go off in a series and just wipe out the entire commons and that 20 pound bomb would have taken out that corner which would have in theory dropped the library mm-hmm. into the commons we have these sidebar conversations like well what are we watching you know something doesn't look right and we're like oh it's got to be the senior annihilation game that we've been hearing about none mm-hmm. of us had details so which is so were... ironic that we were playing that game yeah it was like a nerf war game, Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah, last man standing. Last man standing and bragging rights. We finally get to see what the hell this game's about. And we're watching them load. And maybe they're going to go down that hallway and shoot Sid with a paintball. Let's go see this. Now we got something to watch. That's when magazine was in, chambered, and then that's when the popping started. And they, they unloaded towards the building out of line of sight from us. What we didn't know was that's when Richard and Rachel Scott were shot. Rachel Scott and Richard Castaldo were the first victims at Columbine. Rachel was shot in the head and chest and died instantly. Richard was shot in the arms and torso. 
He survived, but his spine was severed and he was left paralyzed from the waist down. As soon as that started, we stopped moving again. And at this point, they're monkeying a little bit and we're like, okay, well, those are realistic paintball guns. And so we decide, well, let's get a closer look. So we start pushing forward. So after the second round of us deciding, let's get a closer look, that's when they turn the fire to us. And again, I think it's paintballs. So they're spraying from my right to left. I remember Dan got hit. Denny Rohrbaugh was shot three times, once in the knee, then in the chest, then in the abdominal area, piercing his liver and stomach. The shot to his chest stopped his heart. He fell over and died quickly. Even then, Sean thought he was witnessing a game. His brain was not registering the horror. One of the rounds went through Dan and hit the ground right behind him. The trajectory of that round hit that dirt and it just shot it in my face. And I remember looking back all simultaneous, like where the heck are these paintballs? And as I'm looking back, that's when I took a round to the shoulder and it didn't hit any bone or anything, it just grazed me. But it was deep enough I could sink darn near three of my fingers into that gap. No idea I was shot, but I just felt cold on my neck and I looked back forward and that's when I took three across the abdomen. And again, the only way to describe, because those didn't hurt at all, the only way to describe that was it felt like something shouldn't have been there and then it was gone. That's all it felt like. It wasn't pain or anything. Did you realize then, like, I, I've been shot? Oh, I had no idea. In fact, it took me a while before I figured out that I was actually bleeding. That's when Lance went down. I don't even think he knows he's been shot at this moment. And I yelled out to both of them, you guys have fun with this, I'm going back inside. So as I'm turning around to run, no idea I've been shot four times at this moment, my entire body is behind that concrete corner pillar. The entire thing, the only thing exposed to my backpack. Well, I didn't realize is when I was running across that fence, I was a moving target and they were shooting at me and one round entered my backpack. That bullet hit my notebook and spun around and literally changed trajectory and aimed straight at my spinal cord. It hit my T12 and blew my entire vertebrae up and then it shot out my hip. I'm yelling. It hurt like heck. It felt like I got kicked by a mule straight into the spine. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm convinced there's a prank dart sticking in my spine. That's what paralyzed me. Somebody get the stupid dart out of my back. Sean, you're literally stuck in the threshold watching everything happen. Did anyone come to your aid? Yeah, and they're yelling, there's no dart. Honey, there's no dart. Well, I can't move my legs. And they got the door held open. And somebody stopped him and they said, no, it's his back. It's a spinal injury or a neck. Can't move him. Don't move him because he's paralyzed. So they left me. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.